Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's good to see everyone who's come out this morning, this first Sunday of 2022. Uh, <clears throat> let's just bow our heads and ask the Lord to be present to us. He is here, but let's make sure we know he's here. Dear Father, thank you that you have promised to be with us always never to leave us or forsake us. And so we just literally recognize your presence just now. You are here. Help us to reach out to you. And as we sing, to sing, to give you praise as if you were there in front of us. As we listen to realize that you are speaking to us. And may we realize once again but what you say to us is very important indeed. May you bless us, may you teach us, and challenge us today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, you might like to follow along with the reading. I'm not don't sure it's going to come up. I don't think it will. Um, it's Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to really look at verse 3 onward to uh, about verse 10, but I think we'll, for the sake of completeness, we'll read from verse 1 to verse 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also, also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in a conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were in the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you were believed, you were marked in him, within him with the, the, a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, as we turn to your word, open it up to our hearts, we pray, 
that we may hear your voice speaking powerfully to us once again. In Jesus' name, Amen. You might have thought that our reading was a bit strange, perhaps, for the Christmas season, but it is what the reading set for this particular Sunday, believe it or not, and I'm sure you noticed there is much mention of Christ, Jesus Christ, and Him. The source or the origin of things can be often an intriguing thing for us. Sometimes we want, it's very important for us to know where did something come from or how did it come to be? <clears throat> a child or two here this morning, isn't there? Those presents that appeared under the Christmas tree on Christmas morning, now where did they all come from? That's a question. I mean, after Brexit and the protocol from January this past year, just past, where were businesses going to get all their goods from that were now so difficult to source from Great Britain? Then a couple of questions that are based in the New Testament. Early in the week before the Jewish leaders arrested Jesus and had him condemned to death, they asked him for the source of his authority to teach and to heal. Tell us by what authority you're doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? And St. John records that the Jews were talking among themselves. How did this man get such learning without having been taught? He hadn't gone to any kind of school for rabbis, teachers. Where did he get his learning from? What was the source? And Peter and John later got asked the same question after they healed the blind man outside the beautiful gate of the temple had been preaching to the people, especially telling them that Jesus was risen from the dead and was his power that had healed the man. By what power or what name did you do this? What's the source of your power? Paul begins this letter to the Ephesians with a kind of psalm of praise, a doxology to God the Father, who has blessed us, he said, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. There's 12 verses from 3 to 14, and in the original language, they are all one sentence. Paul hardly pauses for breath. He just keeps going because his heart is so full of praise to God for his blessings. And he, refer he points out that all three persons of the Trinity, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are involved in bringing us these blessings. Just a few mentions of what God has done. He's the source of the origin of every one of them, Paul says in verse 3. It's he who has blessed us. It's he in verse 4 who has chosen us. In verse 5, he has destined us to be his sons and daughters. Verse 6, he has freely given us his grace. And in verse 8, he says he has lavished it upon us. And verse 9, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, which is to include us and all peoples from every corner of the earth in uh, Christ. The whole passage is full of God the Father who has set his love upon us and poured his love and grace on us and he's continuing to work out his eternal plans. That should cause our hearts to praise God that he has always had us in mind. Us here, us in the next door parish, 
us beyond that, all over Ireland, UK, Europe and the world, everywhere where God's people are meeting and have come to Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ in this passage is the Saviour through whom these blessings come. They've come through him. Uh, in the first, these 14 verses, first 14 verses, yes, of Ephesians, uh, Jesus Christ, or Jesus, or uh, he's referred to as he and him, and so on. He's mentioned 15 times. The phrase in Christ itself, or in him, is there 11 times. Before we come to be in Christ, you know, you realize we were, as the Bible puts it, in Adam. We, were, we belong to the old fallen humanity, sinful humanity, unredeemed. But now as believers, Paul says we are in Christ, belonging to the new redeemed humanity. And so from verse 3 onwards, Paul talks about being in Christ so often. It's in him, verse 3, that God has blessed us. And in verse 4, he's chosen us in him. In verse 5, it's in the one he loves, Jesus, that he has freely given us of his glorious grace. In him we have redemption and forgiveness. So we're truly blessed by God who's the source of the blessing, but he brought it all to pass through and in Christ. And the Holy Spirit gets mentioned too. He's involved in bestowing all these blessings. He's mentioned only specifically at the end there. We're told in the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. In other words, if we have the Holy Spirit, and we do if we've turned to Christ, he is a guarantee that our inheritance with the Father in a future day is there for us, guaranteed. And of course, the Spirit, we can't become a Christian unless the Spirit of God works in our hearts. He is the one who draws us to Christ, who tells us we need to come to Christ. He's the one who brings about new birth in us. And as Paul says, uh, in, in another place, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you don't belong to Christ. <clears throat> Question for you. Do you know the Spirit of Christ is living in you? That's a phrase Paul uses. Do you know you belong to Christ? Do you know you're in Christ? I hope you do. The teaching of this passage, in particular, starting with verse 3, is, it's extremely important uh, in, one, in one other way. Because in that verse 3, three persons of the Trinity are all there. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Notice how the three persons of the Trinity are there. They're spiritual blessings. We could translate that blessings of the Spirit, through the Spirit. All are involved in our salvation. And so what are the blessings with which God has blessed us in Christ? We've heard a little bit of them already, but let's look a little more uh, in detail at them. We've just celebrated Christmas, and a whole year stretches ahead of us before the next one. What's behind Christmas? What's the real meaning of Christmas? Well, you might say, well, we can look back through the, all the Old Testament and all those prophecies of the coming of the Saviour uh, the Messiah. Uh, so all those mentions which gave the Jews the hope that one day they would see a Savior come to them, a Messiah who would deliver them from their enemies. 
and as well as those, uh, those prophecies, Paul tells his, his readers here that there's really more to it than that. There's, there's more to the coming of Jesus than the prophecies, thankfully. Uh, so what's behind Christmas? God is. Uh, what's behind the coming of Jesus? Who sent him? God did. There are blessings, Paul says, from God, and some of them have been in his heart and formulated in the long distant past. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. Now that's beyond our understanding. Before the world was, before the universe was, that's when he chose us. And he goes on to say, that, and we'll look at it in a moment, that there's blessings for the present and blessings for the future. Let's look at those blessings for the past. We can all, I'm sure, look back over our lives, and whether they're long or short, or shorter, and think of how we've been blessed in one way or another, many ways, we'd say, by God and maybe other ways as well. The blessing of loving parents who brought us up, who did their best for us. The blessing of a good or a very, very good wife or husband, partner in life. The blessing of children, perhaps, perhaps of a fulfilling, enjoyable job. Maybe some great holidays. We can feel blessed by those. Children today who make us proud. Grandchildren who bring us joy. They're all blessings. We can all point to them, be they few or many. <clears throat> Paul begins this letter by calling on his Ephesian readers to praise God for the way he has blessed us in Christ. How? Well, he said before the foundation of the creation of the world, before time began, in a past eternity, when only God existed, existed perfect then as he is now, uh, he chose us. He had a, formed a purpose in his mind. And his purpose brought us, all who believe in Christ, brought us in Christ together in his mind. And he decided to make us his own children. And remember, we didn't even exist. He decided to make us his children through the saving work of his son, who hadn't come then. In love, we read in verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to sonship, or in another version, to become his sons and daughters in Christ. He didn't choose us because we deserved such a privilege. We didn't exist in the first place. And he knew very well, because God knows everything, that when he made us, when he would make us in the future, perfect as Adam and Eve were, we would fall from grace, we would fall into sin, we would disobey him and become very imperfect indeed. But he still chose us in love to become his children, knowing all that. 
We never deserved in the past, we never will deserve to be adopted into God's family. We actually do, do deserve his judgment. But thankfully, Christ has averted that for us. Some might be saying to themselves just now, you might be saying, wait a minute, hang on. Didn't I choose to follow Christ myself? Didn't I choose to become a Christian? Well, yes, you did. And you freely chose to do so. But only because God in eternity chose you first. You might be saying, didn't I decide to follow Christ? Yes, you did, freely. But that was because God decided for you to have you as his child. Long, long. Theologians call this teaching of God choosing us long past to be his children as, it, as call it election. You can remember that word or not as you choose, but there's one word for it. God choosing us in eternity. It's really a mystery. It's not likely that anyone will, will discover a simple solution to that problem. I choose Christ, he chose me. And how do they come together? We don't need to get into that. God has chosen us to become his children. We too choose to follow Christ and become a child of God. We leave it at that. It's a mystery, but it's a glorious mystery. We thank God that he's at the back of it and choose us in the first place. That's the past blessing, but it's a blessing for us to enjoy in the present, all through our lives. For in verse 5, he really destined us for adoption to sonship, or to become his sons and daughters, become members of his family. He destined us for such a high status uh, that creation wouldn't bestow on us. Creation doesn't give the ordinary man or woman in the street, that privilege. It has to come through Christ. He destined us to become his children. From eternity, God planned to make those he had chosen his sons and daughters. And that's amazing. And our hearts should be full of thankfulness, gratitude and praise to God when we think of that. It's no wonder Paul says then the next verse that this is something really to praise God for. He says he did, God did this to the praise of his glorious grace. He meant us to be thankful, to praise him. Not just here today on Sunday morning, but Sunday eve afternoon, Sunday evening, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, every day. To praise God for choosing us to become his children through Christ. That's a privilege to be a son of God, a child of God. It's also responsibility. Let's look at those two aspects, privilege and responsibility. Surely it is a privilege indeed to be adopted into God's family. It's only those who've been adopted into that family who can say the words that Paul uses in verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. As a child of God, if you have come to Christ and you are a child of God, you have the privilege of freely coming into God's presence, as we have done this morning. But you can do it when you go home. You can do it at any point as you walk around, as you sit in the house, any day, any time. We can come to our Father and talk to him. 
Confess our need and our sinfulness and receive his forgiveness. Ask his help. Enjoy being a child of God. How, how does that come about? Why is that possible? Well, it's because we've been redeemed and forgiven. Redemption means deliverance, freedom from, by the payment of a price. It was especially used in Paul's day when a slave or someone on behalf of a slave bought their freedom. Redemption and forgiveness, they belong together. For our deliverance is a rescue, it's a saving from the just judgment of God upon our sin. We are redeemed from it, we're delivered from it, we're forgiven for the sin. And the price that was paid for that deliverance, of course, you could tell me, was the shedding of Jesus' blood when he died on the cross for us. Redemption, forgiveness, adoption, they all go together. They are our privilege now in the present, all through our lives. It comes from God, from his lavish outpouring of his grace upon us. The privilege. But adoption into God's family suggests responsibility too. And Paul doesn't leave it out. In verse 4, he says he chose us. Sorry, verse, uh, little, little later on, verse Yes, sorry, it is verse 4. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Chose us to be those things. They don't come naturally. They're not to become holy and blameless takes effort. It's response, there's a responsibility there. A bit of work involved. It makes no sense, sure it doesn't, that we should enjoy the status of a of a child of our Heavenly Father without accepting the obligations that come from being in the family of God, from being a child of the Father, to become like the Father and the Son and to cultivate the family likeness. So Paul says a little later on in Ephesians, be imitators of God as his beloved children. Or as another version puts it, follow God's example. Become like him. So as soon as we start on the road of discipleship, God's Holy Spirit will be telling us, this is how you should live. Pointing out from God's word, this is the way, this is the way you have to go. You have to follow this. You must leave that out of your life, behind. Walk away from it and start going this way, doing what God, what pleases our Heavenly Father. How well, I wonder, are we allowing the Holy Spirit to make us holy and blameless in his sight? Is it our aim in not just a Christian life, but in life? First, that verse 4 says that he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight or in his presence. Do we need reminding today that God's always seeing us? God's the all-seeing one, knows all, he hears all, sees all. We're in his sight all the time. He knows how we're doing in this struggle almost, but this work of becoming holy, becoming like him. He knows how seriously we're taking it, or if not at all. 
We, he knows whether we're listening to him. Are we listening to him seriously as we come to church each Sunday, as, as now? Are we listening to him as we open up his word for ourselves and read it? Are we listening to him in the silence of our hearts when there's no one around, maybe not looking to the Bible at all, and God speaks to us? And are we taking action to, become cha to be changed, as Paul puts it, into the likeness or to become like Christ or the, and the Father? Here's a verse from Romans that we probably know very well. And I'll finish this, sex, this bit with it. Paul says to Romans, as he's getting near the end of the letter to them, and this is earlier on, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. In other words, sacrifice, putting self behind, putting God first. This is your true and proper worship. To the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm nearly finished. I said, well, maybe I didn't, but I, we briefly just mentioned the future blessings. They're here also, but I, I, we haven't time to go into them today. One day we are going to see the fulfillment of all God's plans and purposes in a, in a new way, in a fuller way than we do it. Verse uh, 10 in this chapter, and we read it earlier, but I'll read it in another version. At the right time, God will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Jesus is already the head of his body, the church, but one day everyone, not just those in in the family of God, in the church, everyone the worldwide will acknowledge that Christ, will, will come together under Christ. They will therefore, as Paul says in Philippians, they will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to God's glory. Although in that, at that point, all governments and empires, good and bad, all people everywhere, small and great, good and bad, will bow the knee to Jesus and acknowledge that he is the Lord. God is there. God is over all. And that we humans are nothing in front of him. Jesus Christ is Lord, they will acknowledge, to the glory of God the Father. The discord, the strife, the conflict of this world, the pain and the suffering, the hunger and the injustice, and everything that hurts and destroys, it'll be gone when God steps in and the times are brought to their fulfillment, we'll gain our resurrection body. We will then live with Christ in a real way that we don't, under, don't, have, don't understand even now. That's all to come. This is the future blessing that we must look forward to. And that no matter, especially for those in our world who suffer greatly, Persecution, hunger, injustice, you name it. This is their great hope. But it's ours too. One day, everything will be made well. So as we finish, could we consider how much we all need to develop Paul's perspective? Or how Paul looks on life, life in Christ and life in general? Remember, He's writing this as a prisoner. He makes this clear in another place in the letter. 
He's under house arrest. He's handcuffed to a Roman soldier. And yet, though his wrist was chained and his body confined, his heart and his mind was living in eternity, wasn't it? He looked back before the creation of the world. He looked out onto the time, sorry, he looked into the present and he looked beyond to the times and reached their when the times reached their fulfillment. And he was full of praise. Uh, I wonder, is our vision blinkered in comparison to his? Are our minds small and our horizons narrow? You know how easily we come preoccupied with all that goes on in life. Do we not need to see our time here on earth in the light of eternity more and more? Don't we need to see, sorry, should we, should, we should see our present privileges as children of God and rejoice in them. And we should see our responsibility to become holy and blameless in his sight as something that's very important indeed. It's God's will for us. He's chosen us for that reason, to become like him. So that when we do meet him in a fuller way, we are glad to be in his presence because we have become like him. So if we share how Paul sees it, we'll be led to praise and worship, won't we? I want you to go out this morning particularly full of, with hearts full of praise for what God has done for us in Christ. Yes, at Christmas we thought of Jesus coming. That was a moment in history. Then there were a few years when he lived and died for us. But he was part of that great plan of God to bring us our salvation. Rejoice that God sent Jesus. Rejoice in what the blessings that come through him. In Christ, may we share those blessings. Rejoice in them, yes, and seek to share them with others as well. Tell them what they're missing and see, pray and speak to see them come to know them too. May God help us for his name's sake. Amen. The blessing. May we hear God's voice more clearly, know his heart more deeply, rest in his love more fully, trust his care more completely, walk in his paths more peacefully, and serve him more faithfully in this new year. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with us and always. Amen. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of Christ. Amen.